You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we're here today continuing this Fix the Raven series, and we've got a very good guest here today who's been on the show before, Michael Ferguson. Michael, how are you doing? Uh, doing well, Ken. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk football, my friend. Uh, you've been on before, obviously, but we today we're going to be talking about uh, how target share might play an important role 
in how you get this offense fixed. And obviously we had uh, a lot of issues with the offense in, in 2021. I think a lot of them related to the off bad offensive line play and the bad running back situation. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, you just seen a change kind of mid year, but the beginning of the year, things were going pretty well. And when I look back at that, there was a good balance in the passing game. And that's kind of what I want to figure out is how do we get back to that balance full time? Yeah, kind of remarkable, actually, with the running backs they had early in the season and the offensive line problems they had started week one, that they were able to have any sort of good offensive period for this team. I mean, you know, Lamar was holding onto the ball a long time, extending plays, doing a lot of positive things up through that Colts game where he had one of the most efficient games of all time. Uh, but tell me what you saw in terms of, of, of the target share components of that and, and what you thought that brought to the Ravens offense. Yes, sir. So uh, when I looked at the first, say, eight games of the year through Minnesota, what I noticed was Brown and Andrews were getting about eight targets per game each. And then Sammy, the first four games, was getting seven or eight targets a game. Then he got hurt in Indy, so he only got four. Then Bateman came in in his first four games with Lamar. He got seven targets per game. So it seems like Minnesota, which should have been the best game when both of them were back, is kind of when the issues, you know, really showed up the most. So that kind of made me wonder, like, can this offense handle four, you know, four people that really need the ball? Because a lot of, you know, a lot of people talk about the need to add another receiver um, or get more people involved. But it seems to me between Roman and Lamar, if you've got three steady guys that you can trust, like that's really all you need. Because as you said plenty of times, Lamar's threat with his legs as a check down option is going to be almost another weapon in the pass game. Mm-hmm. So if he's got two guys outside that he trusts and a receiver, a tight end in the middle of the field, it seems like that's all we really need. And, you know, what is the role of a good back in that is kind of the question that, you know, we'll have to get into. Um, but I just, I like that balance from the first seven, eight games where each one of those guys was getting their touches. Right. I, I, I you know, we certainly see the effectiveness of the offense then. They had, it's not like they were perfect during that period. They had a lousy offensive game in Detroit when the offensive line really let them down against a, a pretty good uh, Lions defensive front. Uh, but they, but they did, uh, they did play well. And they certainly, they never got the third down. I keep saying this against the Colts in those last four drives, which was just amazing to me. Uh, let's talk about the running back situation first, because I think you made an important point about check downs and Lamar's his own. He scrambled 49 times this last season. Uh, how do you see JK? What, what, what sort of routes do you see him running? Do you see him being primarily a Ray Rice pure check down guy, or do you see him running a bunch of wheels or other things that could get him deeper down the field? So I think that's the big question for 2022 is, how much of a threat can J.K. be? And I think the more of a threat he is, the more dynamic this offense is. Because, you know, what I kind of highlighted, you know, from from looking at this, you need three, four guys that are kind of interchangeable. And if J.K.'s on the field and you can start him off in the backfield, book and motion him to the slot or out wide and have him be any kind of threat out there, that's going to give this offense the, you know, the kind of – the threat that the defenses can't handle. They can't cover Andrews and Bateman, who both can kind of do any route. You can't also cover Brown, who can get deep, and another back that could do stuff after the catch. Because the biggest frustration that a lot of us fans have is we don't have anybody that could really do a lot after the catch. And J.K. would be the perfect guy for that. Like, 
we seen JK kind of hitting the edges and he all the time made something out of nothing on runs. So I'm thinking on check downs, on dump offs, maybe if you could catch him on a little slant or something, you know, something kind of where the where the defense is pushing back and then he's drifting out, you could get him the ball and he's gonna be like a you know, like a returner in the open field. Yeah. So, you know, can he catch the ball enough to really be what you need? Yeah, I, definitely. You can see that elusiveness, good contact balance, too. So, you know, it, one of the things is just it's easier to break tackles when that first contact comes in level two or level three. And that's that's a fairly obvious precept to the entire running game is you, you really want to make first contact in level two or in level three. But you're really talking about routes where he might get a level three first contact opportunity. And those are the pure gold because they, they, you know, safeties miss a lot of tackles. It's a good safety might still miss 12 to 15 percent of tackles. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, that's it's those missed tackles are very costly when they occur. So, you know, creating situations where they're induced, I, I think would be a real positive. We don't see as much of that, you know, the check in the, in the game, a little swing pass game, the Ravens have had with Freeman this year, you know, a little bit, they passed to Latavius Murray. I mean, they're very low yards per touch guy who really did not evade first contact very often. Didn't, didn't break first contact very often. And I, I could see how you would like um, JK a lot better in that situation. And I'm pretty sure, it was a highlight from the preseason maybe where JK caught like a wheel route down the sideline over somebody and went up and got it. Like for some, I remember this, he was like running down the right sideline and I don't know if it was on queen or who it was, but it was a big highlight from like the, maybe the stadium practice. Oh, from when they're playing at camp. Okay. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was him getting out and it was in the end zone, him going up and making a catch over, like I said, I believe it was one of the linebackers. And I'm like, if he's that type of threat, because he has that type of speed, and to see him go up and get it, I'm like, man, this that's what had us so excited about the year until, you know, injuries started wrecking it. But talking to people, like there's some concerns about the way he caught the ball at Ohio State. Um, you know, there were some people on Twitter that, you know, when I mentioned that, they were like, nah, he wasn't that good, though his numbers looked okay. Um, but when I, you know, when I watched him, it was quite a few drops, especially in the Buffalo game. He had two legit drops that hurt us. And, you know, on the play right before a couple plays near in the red zone, I seen Lamar not even look his way. And I'm pretty sure that was he was like coming out of the backfield again on like a little hook or wheel route. And I'm like, that's the type of stuff that Lamar has to get over that as well. But like the players have to make plays for him. So he has confidence in everybody. Need trust. Absolutely needs trust. Critical, critical part. Um, Let's talk about Brown again for a moment because you brought him up. And I noticed in, in some of your work and some of the, the very extensive stuff you sent me that your, your focus is that Brown maybe is, is more of a, becomes more of a specialized deep threat than what he, he was last year. And honestly, Brown very badly misused, in my opinion, this last year. Yeah, and that's the hardest part of evaluating the team is um, – we had to use guys in ways that they aren't best at. And I don't know if the coaching staff doesn't recognize that or if it's some kind of personality thing in the locker room. Like that's the big question is, are they, you know, are they not using Brown because of him and Lamar's connection? Well, I've, I've got another theory about that is that the Brown 
the Brown problem at the end of the year, and he was catching all kinds of five-yard balls, and you see his yards per target went to almost nothing for a receiver towards the end of the year. It was a function of the Ravens not having an offensive line and not having any running backs they could trust. So basically opposing inside linebackers for not taking the running back threat seriously and doing what they'd done in 19 and 20 to run themselves out of position on a fair number of plays. So they weren't taking the extra read step downhill to, to free the tight end on play action. And they also, you know, weren't running themselves out of position because the Ravens had some number, excess number of speed threats to the outside. They really didn't have any in this mm-hmm. last year. They ran jet motion. That's the only thing they really had as an outside speed threat. So that really, I think that really caved in the offense. And then when the tackles weren't playing at all well, uh, that meant the pressure was coming quickly. Lamar is okay with that pressure, and he moves around pretty well. But then after Lamar left and Huntley was the guy, he doesn't have any pocket presence at all, to be honest. And it might develop at some point. I'm not trying to beat on the guy. But they had to scheme for his pocket presence to effectively get the ball out quickly. And that meant that Brown's route tree – all of a sudden, a lot of those nines went away, and he had to get open on these five-yard routes. And so I, I, I don't think it's fair at all to look at Brown's 2021 and say that's who he is as a receiver. I think with Lamar back, with extended plays, he'll, he'll create a lot of big plays again for the Ravens. Yeah, and, you know, I've been, I've been one, especially on Twitter, that's been hard on Brown. A lot of it is due to him. A lot of it is due to, you know, who we could have had in that draft. But then, you know, I appreciate some of the guys have sent me clips of Brown in space. And he does well after the catch with the ball in space. Like, I want to say it was Minnesota game. They threw him like a little swing screen pass to the left side. And he picked up like a good 10, 15 yards, you know. And there was a couple other plays where they sent me like where he's getting the ball in space. But then when you see an offense like KC or San Fran, I'm like, oh, he can't do that. But then they're pointing out, look how much space Tyreek Hill has. Somehow, Mm -hmm. you know, Andy Reid is still getting Tyreek Hill the ball in the middle of the field with no defenders around him. Somehow Debo still gets the ball with no defenders around him. So, you know, some of that is on, I don't know if it's Roman or the respect they have for the offense or what. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I mean, the point is often made that that receivers end up in the same place in Roman's offense. When that happens early, you don't want it. I mean, there's there's rubs and there's pick routes that actually take advantage of the, the fact that there's receivers in the same place. But I, I think it's happened more often with the Ravens, and I'm, I'm, I'm going anecdotally here. I, I have not looked this up or try and count them or whatever. I think it more happens more often on an extended play for the Ravens to end up with two players in, the, in a similar position. And maybe that's players not understanding the rules about where they have to go or not being creative enough about it. Because if you have five receivers in the pattern, there's, there's three designated spots usually for – you know, uh, near, middle, and far down the right sideline if your quarterback's rolling to the right. But, but, you know, your other guys, they have to get creative about where to find space on the field, and they may invade somebody else's space. So I wouldn't get too worried about it if it's a three-and-a-half or four-second play that's happening when, a, when when guys get close to each other. But the value that, that, that you're talking about, about the interaction between the two, is, is very visible, at least in the early season, is that defenses were still rolling off Andrews and to Brown when that safety had, that came to the moment of choice mm-hmm. between the over and the under route. And, and, and that, was, that worked out very well for Andrews uh, mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, and you know, that, a lot of what I looked at was Andrews, you know, if there's one guy we can bank on on our offense as being legit, has to command attention, is Andrews. So if he's going to get 100, 120, 140 targets, like that kind of changes the offense. When I went through and looked at, like, what other offenses have been successful with a tight end getting that much of a target share? 
and he has to because he's that good. But how were these other teams able to scheme around them? Because, you know, I looked at, like, Roman's offenses in San Fran, and you didn't see too much of um, a balance. So in 2011, Crabtree had 115, Vernon Davis had 95, then it dropped all the way to 35 for the next guy. In 2012, when they went to the Super Bowl, Crabtree had 127 targets, then it dropped to 61 for Davis, 57 for Manningham. Um, 2013, Bolden 129, Davis 84, dropped all the way to 36. 2014, Bolden 130, Crabtree 108, Davis all the way to 50. So if we got three guys that we got to get involved and maybe a fourth in JK, like how are they going to work that out? But I have some confidence because at the beginning of the year, they were getting eight, eight, and seven. So that's a pretty good, you know, that's if, if Sammy would have played the whole year or Bateman would have played the whole year, and they were consistently getting seven targets, that's three guys over 100. So, you know, as much as I was, and I still would like to see an OC change, I can at least say the beginning of the year, I saw him able to scheme an offense with Lamar with a bad line and no run game where three guys were getting a good amount of touches. Now, what they do with those touches is on them, you know, after that. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, you're – yards after contact and yards after the catch in either of those cases were those guys, did they have big years? Did they have acceptable years? So I looked at Brown, Brown was around four, which is not good at all. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so I I kind of, for comparison, Debo's of course exceptional, but he has like 10, but like a receiver, like Brandon Ayuk, he averages like six, six, six and a half. Mm -hmm. So that's not a lot, but two more every time you catch the ball, Huge. That's a you know that's a big deal, and I was even I was suggesting on Twitter maybe I heard Brandon Ayuk him and uh, Shanahan they had a rough go earlier. I was like maybe we could trade him and Brown because to me we need two big receivers like ideally so you know for my solution for the offense is Brown I mean as uh, Andrews first target Bateman a second target just because he's more versatile, mm-hmm. and then if that third guy was Watkins or somebody with his size and his versatility. I just think Roman would be better with that type of guy than somebody like Brown. And I say that because I look at San Fran, he had Crabtree and Bolden. Both of those are two good size outside receivers. And then he had Davis in the middle. So I just don't know if him and Brown are the best match, though somehow he's getting, you know, every time, like I said, I knock Brown, I look at his numbers. They aren't that far off from AJ Brown, from Debo, from some of these guys. He's got 2,400 yards. He's got 20 touchdowns in three years and the offense does not best for him. So it's, you know, it's just a tough, it's tough to figure out what to do. And I kind of given some more leeway to Roman because it's not an easy problem to solve when you have a receiver like him. That is, is really no true comparison in history that I could like somebody that gets that much of a target share, but is that small. And, you know, not just small, but he's not small like Tyreek Hill, but is like a running back. He's really a small wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas a lot of guys you see that are small, they can do a lot after the catch. And he can use his speed in open space, but he doesn't get going fast, and he's not quick at all in small spaces. So he's not the type you can throw a quick screen to. He's going to make somebody miss and then get up the sideline and use that speed. He yeah. really has speed that you have to scheme for. Right. Um, like yeah, I that, That's this, a great point. Yeah, and I remember the Cincy game, I was so excited because I think it was the second play. I was at the game, and Roman schemed like a wheel route. He came in motion, and he went down the sideline. And I was like, that's the perfect use 
but something about his size, he's able to get kind of pushed to the sideline on deep routes as well. Mm-hmm. So he has his limitations, but with that speed, somebody could use him and use a lot, but it's just how do you do it? So is is that part of the reason why Marquise is never really considered as a slot receiver? He's always really been a Z. Um, but he, but he, if if they moved him inside, uh, his change of direction speed isn't like Wes Welker, even though he could outrun Wes Welker by 10 yards in 100. Yep. Uh, that his, his change of direction skills just aren't the same. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly – it's hard to figure out how to use him best because, like you said, ideally he would be in the slot. But I remember seeing something earlier this year that Andrews was like high up there, I want to say first or second in the league, in yards from the slot. So if you're tight in like Andrews, he's not really the kiddo type. He's more of a slot receiver, you know, himself. So then if you got a small receiver who's best at seam, I guess maybe you have both of them in the seams and then have two other receivers out wide. Maybe that's the best way to use them. So so a YY with four guys at the line of scrimmage, you're saying? Or yeah. you have you have plenty of five wide situations in a typical game, but yeah, it's also, uh, you know, one of the things we look at in offensive line scoring is formation and the formation four zero one shows up for the Ravens a lot with one running back and four four guys wide. And and the way we define that is you can be as close to the, to the to the tackle as you need to be to be declared a wide receiver. And it's all based on where your position is. It's not your actual roster position. So Patrick Ricard could be a wide receiver. It depends on how your feet are, whether they're even at the snap or uneven at the snap. So three-point stance, your feet are even. but and, and oftentimes the crouch stance you'll see from a, from a tight end on the edge. Um, then they're, then they're a, a tight end. Ricard is often in that stance. So is Andrews, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Andrews also is split wide a lot. It's, it's very definitional what you're talking about in terms of who's a slot receiver and who's not. Because even, even two slot receivers, like uh, whoever it might be, whether it's, whether it's uh, uh, Prochet or anybody else, they look very different from Andrews in terms of their, their slot mechanics and, and what you'd be trying to do with them. Mm-hmm. And once again, I'm not sure if it's a it's hard to tell Lamar from Roman with the offense or who he has. But I just remember clearly, once again, at the Cincy game, they had two receivers like to the bottom side from where I was sitting. And Bateman was one on one up top. And there was like the safety was kind of in the middle of the field. And I'm like, oh, perfect. We're going to go right to Bateman. But then Bateman's route was like an end breaking route. They kind of ran right into the, you know, it kind of came towards the safety. Whereas I'm like, with him being a featured guy, either somebody's got to change that or that should already be featured to maybe have him drag something to yeah. the sideline, to the end zone. But you just don't – it's usually like what you look at pre-snap and say, oh, we got a good matchup here. It's like our offense isn't matchup-based. It's more just a play. You know, it's not like, okay, I got Bateman here. He's going to have one-on-one like we saw with Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, okay, extend your route out a little wider. Go a little closer to the sideline. I'm going to throw you this fade. It's just our offense doesn't seem to be that, whether that's Lamar, whether it's Roman. I just don't know if they can't check or what's going on. Yeah, that was going to be my next question here is is how much of that do you really think is is on Lamar? I mean, Lamar's obviously still growing and maturing as a quarterback. Um, We just had a a good discussion on how to get to the line of scrimmage quickly and whether that could really fix the the Ravens offense. And one of the things we, we were kind of bantering back and forth on was if Lamar could get to the line of scrimmage, 
could he do things effectively to both read the defense there? And I think the answer is probably yes, to, that he can, he can gain things. And the Ravens use multiple motion a lot where they, they can get you the clues that he could need. But then the other part of it is if you got to the line with 18, 19 seconds left, is Lamar going to be able at this point in his, in his, in his growth to change the play easily? to be able to communicate not just the, the, the obvious check down play, but something that, that Manning or Brady would do at the line of scrimmage to actually change the play there and recall it. And I, I, I'd be, you know, Lamar will lose his speed over time. Where he needs to make up for that is in becoming that better field general. And, you know, that's I, being able to read the routes and how Bateman is impacting that safety and then, hey, that leaves it open for Brown or Andrews or whoever on a mm-hmm. deep route. Well, a huge part of his growth. And uh, and another part of that this that kind of makes it difficult to judge, all of the offense is so young. Like I've made this point so many times. I've never seen an offense where the quarterback is by far the oldest, most experienced guy. <laughs> and Andrews came in at the same time. Brown and Boykin the next year, Duvernay and Prochet the next year, and then Bateman and Wallace this year. So until you know he had Sneed that was there, but He's more of your third threat, not really – not something that the defense has to respect. I've seen such growth with him with Watkins this year because it felt like Watkins was able to lead him, if that makes sense. Like, a lot of those plays, he knew Watkins was going to be open, and even Huntley. Like, when the DB fell down, Huntley looked right to Watkins because he knows he's going to read it. So, you know, part of it could be on Lamar, but if we're seeing receivers running into each other, that's not on him. So is it that you got all these young receivers that are going through growing pains as well? If he calls it out to Bateman, like one play in Miami, I remember they called a screen to the left side and they said Bateman just didn't recognize that it was a screen call or something because he threw the screen to Brown and Bateman just ran his regular route. Mm-hmm. Um, on the pick play with um, Prochet and Bateman to end the Cleveland game, I think that's the one Harbaugh was mentioning. One of them ran the wrong route or ran into the wrong depth or something. So mm-hmm. with so many young receivers – and a young quarterback and an OC that is more of a run-based guy that isn't, you know, a passing game teacher savant. It's just hard to tell where to put blame. Maybe that's good for all of them, you know, because maybe it could be all on Lamar, and that's at least we got enough reasons to not get on him. It could be all on the OC, and maybe that's saving him. And I wonder if maybe that's why the Ravens are keeping continuity. So let's keep seeing how they grow together so we can really isolate where the issue is, you know, within the offense. Because the first first eight games, they were they were good enough to win if they had a solid defense or any kind of running game. Right. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about one more thing here, and then we, we're we're going to have to call it. But uh, Roman, obviously, there's a lot of thoughts that Roman will not be here in 2022. I think it's already they're past that decision point. He's coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, but but my question would be this. Roman grew into the offensive coordinator role by being the run game coordinator and the, I believe a tight ends coach before that. Um, so he, he kind of gradually gained offensive coordinator responsibilities over about a three year period, whether it's T Martin, who I think would be the, the I think he's the guy. If you watch them at camp, um, Williams is a very much a technical foot in the ground route running specialist, more of a wide receivers coach. And T Martin is a release guy, which I think is going to play more into how quickly plays develop. So my question for you would be, can these guys coexist such that T Martin actually can do whatever it was that Roman did in 2018, let's say for the Ravens to get their run game where, where it needed to be. 
can Martin help with the passing game in that way under Roman's larger umbrella? I think that's the million-dollar question, and I believe Harbaugh was kind of hinting that they've outgrown the need to rely on the run so much. And I think that's kind of for, you know, he said design runs. I don't know if he was talking about Lamar design runs because he just said design runs. But I'm thinking if you've got a solid old line and you got J.K. and Gus, like that run game is not going to be that bad, especially with Lamar back there. So Mm -hmm. you don't need a ton of creativity in a run game for that. But you've got so much invested at wide receiver that has to be your main focus because J.K. is a second round back. You know, Gus is undrafted. You've got a first round quarterback that's going to be making a lot of money. You got two first round receivers that you got to figure out if you're going to pay. You got a top of the market tight end. Like you have to get the most out of them for the way you've built your cap allocation, you know, going forward. So I'm hoping that T can figure it out. Um, there's been rumors that maybe they go after Eric the enemy. I keep hearing that on Twitter. Who knows? You know, by the time this comes out, they might be shot down. But I think they're looking at adding guys, including the guy from Miami they just brought in as a, to replace Bobby Ingram. He was co-OC in Miami. So, you know, they're adding different minds to the offense. And the key, the question is, how much does Roman allow, how much does Harbaugh allow for them to, um, you know, to really have a say-so in changing the offense? Yeah, he's got to demand it if they're if they're going to do it. Roman, I, I think this is a natural tendency of anybody who has responsibilities that they don't really want to give it up. I know working with IT people. They're in, they hoard proprietary knowledge like nobody's business because teaching somebody else to do your job is is the quick ticket to retirement. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I I don't I don't really I you know we'll, we'll see how this works out, but I think it's it's going to be a case where that game plan has to be built by several people and maybe it even needs to be overseen by Harbaugh, who I I don't know to what degree he's in the meetings where they decide the game plan as opposed to offensive game plan, as opposed to just allowing that to grow organically within the offensive staff. Yeah. And then, you know, the other question is how do personalities play into this? If Andrews and Bateman are getting the majority of the targets, how does Brown handle that? And Mm -hmm. Brown being Lamar's number one guy, Brown being EDC's first pick, you know, Brown being a likable guy, period. How does he react if his targets are less but I believe if his targets are less, he'll have more of an impact on the game. Like when he does catch it, he's going to catch it in more space. Because what we don't want is those last eight games where I right. think he had 10 targets a game and was averaging like 40 yards a game. Like you might as well have not had him you know, on the field at that point. Right. I, I agree. That was a complete waste of his talent. It's, I mean, it was situationally based. It was a horrible situation. But anyway, great conversation, Michael. Really appreciate having you on. You're welcome anytime. We'd love to have you to, to, to talk again. This is really thought-provoking stuff. Uh, if uh, Tell folks, first of all, where they can find your work online. Uh, so I'm on Twitter. It's Mr. MF. Um, I just, like I said, tweet Raven stuff, other random content, but I'd love to talk football with whoever. And I appreciate this conversation, Ken. Like I said, I don't have a lot of answers, but just did some research and wanted to draw on your knowledge to kind of, you know, have a conversation to show the complexity of what's really going on with the passing game. It's not just adding one receiver or throwing the ball to crochet and Duvernay more. It's a lot of reasons that things aren't working out the way that we, you know, wanted to. 
All right. We really appreciate having you here. Other folks out there want to make sure that you know if you have a Fix the Ravens topic, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, DMs are open. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to get you on just like Michael here to talk about your angle on, on how the Ravens should be fixed. Michael took a, actually a very broad topic, which is you know target allocation and how you make people happy in the passing game. Uh, narrower topics are better. I think in, in general. So if you want to do how to build, rebuild the defensive line and you've got an idea between draft capital and, and free agency and whatnot, how they can get it done in two years, love to hear that. You know, what's an appropriate use of safeties going forward? Those kind of topics are great. We can get into a lot of depth within them in, in about 20 or 25 minutes. And, and that's what we're looking for. Michael, thanks again for coming on. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'll talk to you next time on Film Study. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.